0: Welcome to the swim Swam podcast. I'm today's host, Coleman Hodges, and joining us is an NCAA champion. He's now an NCAA all-American for the California golden bears. He's an NAIA golfer, and he is a, uh, Belgian swimmer as well. Looking to represent them at this year's world championships today. We're sitting down with Lucas Henvo. How's it going, Lucas?
1: I'm good. I'm doing good. How about you, Coleman?
0: I'm doing well. really excited to sit down and chat with you. Our yin Lee did a really great written article about you and about your journey from swimming to golfing back to swimming and, and all the places that sport has taken you and just kind of your backstory and how you ended up at Berkeley this semester and competing for Cal and helping them win a national title. And I just wanted to to Piggyback off of that and um, get the, get a similar interview going on video um, and just get our get our audience your story in that format. So <clears throat> uh, hopefully this won't be too repetitive, but I do want to hear about your past, present, and future. I'm going to start with the present right now. You're in Flagstaff, uh, two week training camp at Altitude with uh, Tom Rushton, Shrivan Howie, among others. Can you tell us a little bit about why you're there and how the training camp has gone so far?
1: Yeah, so I'm in Flagstaff right now because my uh, trials, my Belgian uh, World Championship trials are coming up um, in about two weeks. And because Cal was off uh, with their spring break, I wanted to get like some good training in. I responded really well to Altitude. So I'm doing this little two-week camp with uh, yeah Tom Rushton Siobhan, uh you have Craig Zerk in that te- in that team and a lot of uh, Anastasia Gorbenko also and um, yeah then I'll go back to Belgium for my uh, for my trials in about two weeks and uh, I mean so far it's been going really good. Um, I've adapted to the altitude uh, pretty well after like one week and uh, yeah getting some good training in and then, I'll start to like taper a little bit at the end of,
0: uh, at the end of this week, like going into my trials. I feel like that's kind of a unique space. You know, we, we just had Canadian trials where a lot of the swimmers competing at men's or women's NCAAs can kind of taper down for NCs and then kind of just continue that taper onto their Canadian trials. This is, you know, like three, three three-ish weeks removed from NCAAs. So it's kind of. That weird time where you are getting some good training in at altitude, and then you're going to have to kind of retaper. Have you ever done a process like this before? I mean, I'm guessing maybe Big 12s to NCAAs, I'm sorry, Pac-12s to NCAA's was similar, but have you ever done a double taper in this time frame?
1: Not really. No, I mean for for Pac-12s because um, I'm like more on the distance end. That I didn't really taper that much. And then going into NC's, I got like a good taper in. And yeah, as you said, it's kind of a tricky situation having like the trials about like three and a half weeks after um, the end of NC's because it's like just too short to get like a really good training block in and just too long to like try to hold the taper um, all the way to there. So that's why I thought maybe doing some altitude would be good because I could get like uh, the benefits uh, that I usually get from that. um, and yeah, just like these, these two weeks, it's going to be about two week training camp and then like 10 day taper. Um, I've never really
0: done it, but I'm really excited to see like how, how that's going to work. So what kind of training have you been doing, uh, with Tom and his crew the last few weeks or the last couple of weeks, um, in Flagstaff, just like you said, kind of trying to toe that line.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the volume isn't up that much. We're doing about 55 K per week, something like that we're doing like quite a bit of uh, race pace and some uh, distance per stroke work, um, trying to like set up the stroke, um, you know, well for like the two free to four free that I'm going to be racing. Those are going to be my main events at my trials. And I mean, you know, it's, it's been really good because I mean, Chauvin's pushing pretty hard and, uh, Craig is pretty fast as well. So, um, it's, it's very good. And, um, I, I mean, I don't think I need to go back to like really high volume, like I did maybe in the fall or something like that. So just, yeah, holding about 55 K per weeks in 10 sessions. And yeah, it's been, it's been going good.
0: What is a high volume week look like for you? Is that 70 K 80 K? Yeah, probably
1: in like 80 to 85 K range. Um, we did like quite a few of these weeks in the fall, some, some at altitude as well. Um, yeah i I feel like it's a lot more common in europe to do these kind of weeks than in the u.s Mm -hmm. but um yeah that's that's and i mean at cal i was still like swimming like maybe 65 per week like 65 70 so i was still like doing like quite a lot of volume um but yeah i mean here i think as we move like towards trying to do more race space obviously the volume is going to come down a bit
0: yeah i'm curious uh when did you arrive in Berkeley were you there this fall or did you just arrive in January?
1: no so I was supposed to get there in the fall but I had like very like a lot of visa issues because like my when, when I got approved for my visa my passport got lost on the way back so I had to get a new passport and stuff so it was pretty bad so I arrived like January 20th something like that and um and yeah then I went to I mean I just did two dual meets with Cal, one against USC, one against Stanford, and then to Pac-12s
0: and then to NCs. <laughs> how do you feel like you were able to adjust in that short of a time period, just in the January month, right? You go, you, you went to two dual meets. You already, I think you had already broken a school record after those two, two meets in the thousand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, how how do you, <clears throat> first of all, how did you get acclimated to the culture? You know, were you already kind of, did you already feel a part of the team after knowing that you were going to be there? And then even though you weren't able to come over, you know, were you still looking at times and looking at records and kind of talking to the guys and seeing how they operated? Um, And then just how did you acclimate to to living in the U.S. and competing at such a high level?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I, I didn't really... um like I I didn't really know anyone uh, on the team apart from I'd met Bjorn at Europeans uh, last year. And um, so I talked to a few guys, but like really not that much during the fall. But then when I got there, like within two days, I felt like I'd been like part of the team for like four years or, you know, it it was like the guys really um, embraced me. I think it was kind of because I was like, the guy that was like probably doing like a little bit more volume and stuff. So when they'd get out out of the pool, you know, they'd be like on deck, like watching me swim and stuff. And um, that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, I felt like really a part of the team, like with like immediately. And also I lived with the sophomores. So like there were in a house with like eight people. So, I mean, I was immediately like with nine people, excuse me. So, I mean, I immediately like got like very close to them. And yeah, after like, I swam pretty good at my first dual meet against USC. And then I broke the school record in the thousand against uh, Stanford. And then, I mean, from there on, like, I really felt um, that we were really like working together. And like the culture was really great. Like just going towards NCs, you know, we were just like trying to focus uh, everything on NCs and that's obviously what we did and, and i mean the 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 culture that we have at cal at like the pra- i mean in the practices in the pool in the gym and stuff like that i mean like everyone It. i've never seen a place where everyone has each other each other's backs that much you know like we're like three lanes over and everyone's like screaming come on guys let's go i mean it's um it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're in, in the sprint lanes in the middle distance if you're doing uh, like a 6k um a distance set or whatever like everyone's like really motivating each other and uh that's something i'd never really i never really had before um in, in in belgium and something that i mean really helped me thrive i think um yeah uh, in berkeley
0: yeah so let's let's take it back a step uh we'll we'll get back to berkeley I guess, chronologically. So, uh, tell me about you starting to swim or your relationship with the water in Belgium and how you kind of came up through the ranks, uh, in Belgium and what that looked like specifically from a training perspective, because as you said, it sounds like it was pretty different than even maybe a club team in the U S.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, I started, so my, my dad's, uh, uh, seven time Olympic coach. So he's been, he's been, he's been around the block. He owns the pool, um, like two minutes from my house. So I always started to, I always started to, um, I mean, I started my life swimming basically. Like, uh, I was like in the pool all the time. Um, and I was also playing golf. So at that time I was like kind of doing both like training in both. But, um, that was up to, until maybe like 12, 12 years old, I was doing both. And then, um, I like continued swimming, um, maybe doing like one, once a days and stuff, but like, I didn't really, I progressed really fast until I was like 12. And then I got like, really not great from like 12 to 15, you know, I like didn't, didn't improve at all. And it was like kind of demotivating. And I don't know, like I saw some other guys in Belgium, like going really fast. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not, I'm just like not on their level or whatever. And at the same time, I started, like, playing golf a little better, uh, like, improving. So then I, like, went really all in, like, my last two years of high school. And then I did, like, uh, um, one year in a boarding school in Spain, playing golf there. And then one year in the U.S. where I played college golf. And then I didn't really – I mean, I kind of liked it. Um, Hugo Gonzalez jokes with me and he says, so – You weren't good enough at swimming, so you quit. And then you weren't good enough at golf, so you quit. So you're just a quitter, he says. And uh, (laughs) it's very funny, but and uh, yeah, so I quit after one year of college golf. And I went back to Belgium. And like during that time, because my dad owned the pool during COVID, like we could swim, and like no one else was like swimming around us. And we were like we we could go and like practice. So that's when I actually I got back in the pool. Hold
0: on. Let's, let's pause for a second. Yeah. Uh, so you played one year of golf. Yeah. Why did you ultimately, I mean, did, did the pandemic affect you quitting or did, did you just want to stop anyway? I mean, what ultimately led to you, (laughs) you know, leaving after just one year? I mean,
1: mean, the thing is golf is kind of (laughs) weird like that, where there's a lot of hope associated with golf. Like on any given day I could like, you know, the, the way I, I used to play on any given day, I could have like beaten Tiger Woods, you know, if he had a bad day and I had a good day, like that's in swimming, you know, if you're like a, a NAIA swimmer, you can't beat Popovich on any given day, you know, that's not how it works. But in golf, like it's, it's actually doable. So like if you play really well, you shoot 66 or whatever and Tiger Woods doesn't play that well, you can beat him. So like I always had a lot of hope, you know, when you have good rounds and stuff, you're v- very hopeful that you like one day can get to, to that level. But the margins are so fine between like college golfer and like playing on the PGA tour um and getting like it's you know, it's maybe two or three strokes around, you know, it's like the ball rolls over the edge or it goes in, you know. That's the, the margins are so fine that it's um and it's really hard to get from that like college level to like playing on the pga tour and like making money on the pga tour and stuff so that was always my goal was playing on the pga tour but when i came to the u.s and i i like saw my teammates and i wasn't like playing i was like maybe i traveled twice with the team to like some some meets i mean some you know tournaments and the rest of the time i'd just like be at home practicing and uh while they were like competing like in georgia or whatever and um i like noticed how like how many people like try to go for golf in the us it's like crazy and um like how deep the competition is and at the same time i didn't really like the university so i was like oh well let's just you know go back in belgium continue playing golf like more for fun and like do some like really good quality um studies um which is like yeah what i did and that's
0: when i went back Mm -hmm. okay so i would i'm glad you explained that because i don't know anything about golf like i've never played around in golf in my life and uh i was going but i i was also curious about the difference between an you know an niai versus a d1 golfer and a a d1 golfer versus a pro golfer so thank you because i know obviously the difference for swimming it's mostly just times but thank you for clearing that up or, or explaining that so you decide to go back uh covid lockdown hits you you're swimming in your dad's pool because the dad your dad owns the pool uh yeah so please please continue on so, your journey from there
1: so from then on so i'm like in my first year of uni back in belgium right and so like right at the middle of my first year i'm like living at this point i'm like living basically a normal student life uh um I'm, I'm uh yeah just like going to school and stuff and then, um, like in March of, of my first year, um, COVID hits. And so I'm like back living with my parents, and there's like nothing to do. But like my dad's coaching, my sister, and like the rest of the of like their their squad there. And I'm like, well, there's nothing else really to do, so let's let's kind of get in the pool and stuff. And so like I started like swimming every day. Like we do like one session a day, maybe like 5k or something during like basically the whole I mean from like maybe the end of March until like the whole way through through COVID. And then I guess at that point like the, the group that my dad was was building again was like getting getting like I mean they were really young. They were like 14 years old, you know, but they were like pretty good and they were like really motivated. So I kind of like joined that group and I was training and did some like little small competitions, but I was like so slow. I was like I think if I remember I was like maybe at the end of 2020, I was maybe like uh, 156 short course meters in the 2-3. Like it was cra- crazy slow. And um, but then in January, I got actually like a pretty good opportunity to like train with um, this Belgian girl, uh, Valentine Dumont, maybe you know her. She like just broke the national record in the 2-3. Yeah. And so I actually got the opportunity to train at the national center with her for a little bit. And I did a little more training and then after like a few months went back, trained with my dad again. And then I I was really hooked on swimming again. So that's when I started like doing like in the mid, like start of 2021, I started like doing 10 sessions a week, doing uh, like three, three gym and stuff. And like, really, like basically living like a, like a pro swimmer. Right. And just like still going to school and stuff, like trying to combine both. Like I was,
0: I started to really train well um, in 2021 there. So that's a, that's an interesting turning point. How how did you combine athletics and academics in that situation? Because uh, obviously now you kind of know what it is to to be a student athlete in the United States, and I think that's a pretty unique experience for a lot of people who choose to go that route. So what was what? How would you compare it being a student athlete? quote unquote, in Belgium, you know, going to school while being, as you said, kind of living that pro athlete lifestyle versus the typical United States NCAA student athlete?
1: I mean, I feel like in Europe, it's basically undoable um, unless you get really lucky. And I got really lucky because it was during COVID. So like all of our classes were online. So like, I, I could like either like, you know, just if I had four hours of classes a day, I didn't need to like go to uni, spend some time doing that. You know, I could just like go on my laptop, do some homework, the pool's two minutes away. So like that's really the only way I could have like combined it. And you see like a lot of Belgian swimmers right now, what they're doing is like, they're maybe like taking a like reduced course load and like extending your studies from like three years to six years, you know? And that's something that maybe I didn't want to do, but then I got really lucky because it was during COVID. And then, when you compare that to the US, where you know you maybe have like 20 hours of school um, a week and you can practice 20 hours. Well, you have a very like you have a fill your, your schedule is pretty full, but you can like easily combine it. You know, like we get out the pool at like, I don't know, if we get out the pool at 8 30, well you go to class from like, you know, I don't know, nine to one, and then you come back, have lunch, have your second practice, do some homework at night. And that's like it's a lot easier to combine it in the US than in Europe, because in Europe, you can have like up to 35, 40 hours of classes per week, you know, so yeah, yeah, it, it can be a lot, but then the university I was at was a little bit less, but still like it's, um, it's basically,
0: it's really hard to combine both um in, in, in Europe. Yeah. yeah, And that's why I was curious, right? Because I mean, I think even in the US, people who do both, it's a still, it's a lot to have on your plate. Um, but I would think that if it's not, if they're not in the same system kind of working together as a lot of universities kind of make that combination happen. And, you know, we have the term student athlete because people put them both in the same system and and same priority lane versus having them can be, be completely separate. Uh, it it sounds like that would be a challenge. So,
1: one of the real problems also is like if you want to go on training camps or like go to some meets or whatever, well, you can't do that in Europe because you can't like just skip like uh, three weeks of classes or, you know, it just doesn't work like that. But as you said, because it's like combined and they work together at the university um, in the US, well, it's it's a lot easier um, to like, I mean, get excused for, you know, to go to Pac-12s or NCs or other dual meets or whatever, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, again, that's something that having never been exposed really to European schooling systems, I didn't know. So, uh, so, so you start living this pro athlete lifestyle while going to school full-time and then what, how does your swimming progress for the next couple of years? Um, really until you kind of meet David Marsh and sit down with him.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, from like, I go like, Oh, okay, I mean, it's like still in the grand scheme of things, like pretty slow. Like in April 2021, I go like sub four minutes for the first time. I think I go like 359 long course. And I was like maybe three and a half months into me like doing 10 sessions a week and like actually training like a lot. So I mean it was kind of encouraging because I mean at that time I think I was maybe like second in Belgium or something. And so after like only three and a half months, it was like pretty encouraging. Um, but then like didn't i guess i didn't like progress as fast as i wanted to because like i was like really skinny like real i mean like no strength at all and that took like a lot more time to like develop and um and yeah so then i went you know i just did the season in belgium you know i went to like nationals in the in the summer um and then you know short course nationals in the winter and i was like getting like some decent times like um I was like 15 minutes in the short course, 1500, and then like uh, 346, I think, short course in 2021. And then after that, 2022, I go, I continue, I do my training camps, I do my training and stuff. And then at at my nationals in April of 2022, that was like kind of my breakout meet, I guess. So I go 148.3 long course, I go 351 in the 400, Um, I go 50.0. And, and in the hundred and like 805, I think 805 and the 800. So that was like, that was like my best meet. And at that point I was like, okay, well, you're like really close to like the European championship cuts, like not that far from like the world championship cuts and stuff. Like you can, you can do it, do this. Like you can actually try to like live a lot, like have a life in swimming, have something to do. And then about a month later, that's when I meet like David Marsh.
0: Okay, at that point in in April of two thousand twenty two, do you feel like school was going well? Also, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So then, I'm uh, I'm like my last because uh, undergrad is only three years in Europe, so okay. I'm in my, I'm in my last year of um of university. Everything's going well. I'm like getting good grades and stuff. So at that point, I'm like um, thinking of what I'll do the year after. You know, if I'm doing a master's, if I'm like I didn't really think about going to the U.S. at that point yet. Um, Like I was like kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do later. But yeah, school was going really well.
0: Nice. Again, something I didn't realize undergrad three years Mm -hmm. in Europe or in Belgium, at least. That's awesome. So, (laughs) so, uh, so, yeah, tell us the origin story of meeting David Marsh, because I've heard it secondhand and it's a great story, but I want to hear it. From the horse's mouth
1: yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny so um my my dad and dave marsh have this like um this friend this a common friend and this guy is like celebrating the 50 years of his club or whatever and he's like setting up an event where um we have to race a 33 yard freestyle because their pool is like 33 yards so like then he invites like all the best swimmers in belgium like not all the best but like a few of the best swimmers in belgium And Tony Irvin and Dave Marsh are there. And I get there. I'm like, whoa, like I know these people, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. Um, Like Anthony Irvin, like two-time Olympic champ, uh, like 16 years apart. He's like right there. I'm going to race him. And so I'm like swimming. So I go say hi to Dave Marsh, just like introduce myself. And then I like do some easy swimming before like to warm up. And I, I can see he's like looking at me swimming. And then we do this race. This thirty-three yard, I actually lose to this other Belgian guy, and uh, and then we we just go like have um, have some drinks at uh, this common friend's house with Dave Marsh, Tony Irvin, my dad, and this other uh, fr- uh, Belgian swimmer, and um, I'm like talking for like three and a half hours to like Tony Irvin and Dave Marsh about like technique, about like training, about like uh, like feel for the water because Tony is like from what I've heard he's, he's like a magician, you know, he like feels the water, like no one else. And like, he's telling me these crazy stories about like, you know, when he was swimming and like, like like giving like examples of drills and stuff like that for like, and I'm like really, really into it, like really interested. And I think that kind of, um, that kind of struck Marsh a little bit because I'm like, I'm asking questions for like three and a half hours nonstop, you know? And I think he was like, Oh, this kid is like really, really motivated. Like he's eager to learn and stuff. And then, like, he asked me for my number. And in the next, like, few days, I got some, like, messages from, like, some universities in in, uh, in America. And then about, like, a month later, I get, like, a text from Matt Bao um, to ask if I wanted to, like, join Cal uh, to come swim for them. And so I think that moment, like, in that guy's living room, talking with Marsh and Tony for, like, three and a half hours kind of like rerouted my whole swimming career. So, it's kind of kind of cool.
0: No kidding. I mean, that's that's that is really cool, especially because you got to be at that event and yeah, yeah just it seems like the stars aligned a little bit um and I've I've spent a little bit of time with with Tony and <laughs> Dave Marsh and yeah. they 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 know their swimming stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> so that's that's super cool. So then you end up going to Cal, obviously in that. So the fall you're supposed to get there. You have visa passport issues. What, how are you training in the fall or is it, or is it just by yourself? Is it with your dad again?
1: Yeah, I'm training with my dad and my, and my, and my club. I mean, I guess we're in Belgium. Like my dad's club is probably the right now, the best club in Belgium. So we have the two national centers and then my dad's club basically, which I mean, I guess these are like the three best places to train. And so I'm training there with that group of like young, young swimmers that are like really motivated. You know, they go, to, they're pretty good. They go to like European juniors and stuff. So like they're really good swimmers. And um, so we're doing some like altitude camps and stuff. So like the training is good. Um, and I'm, I'm like in, in pretty good shape. I go to my nationals and, um, I was like really sick at my nationals and i swam like all the events so it was like really draining and then like two weeks later um i go to like another event and like another meet and i hit uh the fina fina a time there for melbourne it was like just too late so i wasn't selected um so i'm like training through everything then and then yeah and like the end of december i go on this training camp again to altitude to sierra nevada uh, for three weeks, and then from there, I go straight to to Berkeley. Wow,
0: what a journey!
1: Yeah, a lot <laughs> uh, of traveling going on. Yeah,
0: no kidding. Yeah, I mean that's just a lot of movement. Um, <clears throat> but this, so then you get to Berkeley, uh, you br- break a school record in your second swim meet slash dual meet ever. Uh, you you know feel feel camaraderie with the guys. Um, Tell me about championship season. You know because. I've never been to a pac-12 championships but especially with arizona state swimming the way they did at that meet and you know breaking cal's streak as well as winning their first ever pac-12 title um you know just what was that meet experience like for you as an individual as well as a member of the cal bears
1: yeah so i mean going after after our last on <laughs> stanford i could really see like a shift in like uh purpose and everyone you know like really starting to like pinpoint like ncas you know that was like the main goal obviously we had the conference meet before but like that main goal was like trying to win ncs right but then we go to pac-12s and obviously some people are like not rested at all some people are like you know you saw destin with like a a big beard and um so i think that kind of showed everyone that we're really like going all in for ncs but obviously we still want to win we still want to win Pac 12s, right? We still want to win the, we still want to win the meet. And it doesn't really go I mean, the best way for us. But like ASU was swimming like really really well. Like Leon was breaking records and like the whole team like their depth was crazy. They were putting like four or five people up in the um, in in some of the A finals. Like they were swimming like props to them. They were swimming really really well. And um and we had some like um you know team meetings with dave where like he's like okay we can we can try to go win this meet and like we're still it's not like we didn't care about pack 12s right we still like tried to win every single session and try we really did our best to like, like go all in and try to win pack 12s but then at some point we kind of noticed okay it might be a little different it might be a little tough to, to win this so now let's try to like advance our best team um 10 right and um so maybe like qualify some some more people um, to NCs. And then after Pac 12s, um, there was really like a different energy, I felt like, um, uh going into NCAs. Like we we knew, we knew we could still like it, it, we weren't like feeling down or anything because we lost against um against ASU. And they had they had a great meet at Pac 12s, but like we we were we still knew we had like a really good shot of of winning this if we like had to, had the right swims and if everyone like like swim well
0: yeah i i i didn't ask you this before how do you feel like the transition to yard swimming was for you
1: i don't think it's that different different to short course meters mm-hmm. it's like it's like a stroke a stroke and a half less maybe um and i always train short course meters so i'm like um um yeah like pretty used to that um what i'm what i was really like shocked by though it's like i knew how good like americans were on the water but like when i got there and like everyone's just taking in practice like six kicks or five kicks of every wall i'm like how do you guys even breathe like you only have you, you you go out i mean you break out at like half halfway down the pool so you only have like eight strokes or whatever how do you even get enough air to like swim this and like it's like when I see marchand like he goes it's too free and he like breathes three three times a lap I'm like how do you even get enough air so that was like kind of a I was like experimenting trying to like triple breathe into walls and stuff to like try to get enough air um but I didn't think I don't think it's like that different to short course meters and and I mean we were still training like three times a week all the way through to to ncs we're still doing like long course three times a week so um, I didn't think the training was that much different though.
0: No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just always curious again, yeah. having never swam yards, uh, <laughs> the, the underwaters, uh, yeah. is certainly a different, a different beast, I think. Um, but <clears throat> getting into NCAAs, um, was that me, you know, the first day or two, especially being a member of the cow bears, did that meet exceed your expectations for it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it did. Because um, like I went to Euros last year and there were like, I don't know, like 8,000 people in the stands, you know, it was like a massive Italian crowd. Right. And here you get into like the Minnesota university of Minnesota pool and you see like, like the first, I remember the first two days I walked in, I was like, it's really not that many, that, you know, that much stands, you know, I'm like, everyone's just telling me about like how crazy this experience is, how loud it gets. But like, I'm seeing, there's like five rows, of, five rows of stands on each side, you know? And then I get to like the relay on Wednesday night and I just see like the Cal bears and like, we're probably the biggest like fan base. Like, I mean, fan section in the stands. And I hear them scream. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like, this is so much louder, and louder than euros. Like, it's like, a tenth of the people in the stands but it's like so much louder and so much more energy and um like everyone in the stands just like really rooting for these like 18 18 people you know this this team of guys and um that was like really really different like the 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 energy is crazy different and then the intensity in the mornings is something i've never seen like you know you go you go and you see like Popović, he's going like 146 in the morning at euros you know he, he, it's like he's just chilling or like all some of the, the other italian guys they go like 147 or you know it doesn't really matter but here like everyone's swimming their hearts out in the morning you know to like get make sure you're in that a final and i kind of like i mean that that's one thing I, I didn't do as well um in like the 500 because like i i got ninth and like right out of the a final and um like the energy in the mornings and like the, the fan base, like at, I don't know, 10, 10 in the morning, how crazy they go is like, uh, that was like, it, it really inspires you to swim fast. I feel like it's, it's really nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that's an acquired skill? I have to assume that that's like a mindset you have to train yourself, I guess, mind and body to, to get accustomed to of swimming that fast in prelims or approaching prelims with that um, type of aggression or just assertiveness to get into an a final
1: that's definitely something that I feel like I lacked experience with because I mean again you know I go to my nationals in Belgium I don't really need to go that fast in the morning you know it's like and then you're obviously going all in and like putting all your emotional energy into like that final swim. But here you gotta like really put all your emotional energy, all your focus on that morning swing. swim, like make sure you're up in that a final, you know. And that was it's, it's kind of a completely different, yeah, it's completely a different mindset, you know. And I mean, I fell victim for it because I go four eleven, miss it by one tenth, and Gabe Gabe Jet is in the is in the a final. And well, I go faster than him at night, but he's scoring more points than me. So like, you know, you can, you could go five minutes at night and still score 11 points. You know, it just doesn't matter. Um, So like really trying to like focus on being really fast in the morning is, uh, and I think it's a good skill to acquire for, you know, when you get to like international meets, you know, if you ever get to the Olympics, because you're going to have to swim fast in those prelims, you know, so it's, um it's a good skill to have.
0: Was there any piece of advice or, you know, any, any wisdom, any of the coaches or even your teammates gave you after that prelim swim, 500 prelim swim, you know, heading into that night.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were like, obviously I'd been faster at, at packs and stuff and they were like, try to, I was the first one going out for the team. So they were telling me stuff like try to like bring your, bring the energy and like get like, give energy to the team with your swim you know like try to like if you can win this it will be like if you can win this b final this consolation final it will get like all the guys going all the guys pumped um you know gabe's gonna go after there you know in the, in the in the in the a final and all the guys in the in the 2im and the, the 53 are gonna like feed off of that that's some of the things that the coaches were saying and yeah just like try to you are telling me like try to swim your own race and like not think of if, if you swim your good your best race you should win this b final and so that's what i like try to do like try to focus kind of on me swim the race well strategically and yeah get my hand i got my hand first one in that b
0: final yeah so then moving through the rest of that meet, um, can you just take me through your events and how you felt about them and how how you approached them after having that experience of getting ninth in the morning and then uh and then winning that B final?
1: I mean, the next day I was actually swimming the four IM. I guess like my training, my four IM training is pretty good, but like it's my race, my four IM racing isn't that good. So it was like kind of up to am I gonna swim the two free or the four im? And then um, we ended up going 4 a.m. I finaled that pack 12 So, like, that's why I, I went 4 a.m. At, um, at NC's. And, I mean, I, I think I went, like, a 110th PB in the morning um in the 4 a.m., but that that was, like, 20th, so I didn't make it back. But then it was, like, I mean, it's, like, I, I don't know how these guys, like, go, like, 328 and, like, Hugo like, 330. <laughs> it's, like, so fast. That, like, if you, like, if you take it to meters, you know, if you try to convert it to meters, it's like so far under the world. Record. It's, <laughs> <Right. enough. laughs>
0: it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's stupid fast. And um. so, I mean, for me, I, I I got a little confidence knowing that, like, I'm even, like, without really training that much, I am, like, I'm still doing a 110th PB. So I, I got, like, some confidence for the next day, which was uh, my mile. And my mile was kind of tricky because I was, like, in the, third or fourth fastest heat so mm-hmm. i was like kind of swimming um yeah i wasn't with like with like the big guns if you want to if you want to call it that um but yeah i had a i had a really good mile um i went 14 44 which i mean i'm not really a miler dave marsh wants me to be a miler but i'm really not i'm really not like um i don't know don't really do that uh especially not in meters so um, it, it was good for me. I got ninth again. So kind of, kind of sad not to get into that top eight like twice, but um, um, obviously like I was done with my mile at like four 45 or something. And then I could like, just watch, you know, the last day unfold and like watch these guys just tear it up on that final day. I mean, they teared it up in the final morning and they teared it up on, on that like last day, like, you know, Destin like went and two back and uh and Gabe and Dari like top four in two in the two fly, you know, that was like crazy. And then that last relay also was amazing. Like, uh, so close. Um, (laughs) it was insane. I mean, all the relays were like so fast. I'm like, I'm just really shocked. That's one thing that shocked me at NCs is like the depth of speed is incredible. Like, there's so many people that go like 41 or 42 in the hundred free like it's it's crazy like there's more people that go like 41 or 42 at NCs than people that go like 47 which is like the conversion in like short course meters you know it's like insane how deep every event is and so the relays are like insane to watch because of that depth and um yeah i was just like watching and cheering cheering for the guys after that and um and yeah we i think we clinched it right before the last relay so that was like really really cool
0: yeah i'm i'm actually a little surprised that that it took until after the 200 fly for cal to to clinch it right to to they could have DQ the relay and still won but cuz they were ahead pretty much the whole meet but you guys didn't again clinch it until like that last individual event um so it was a it was an exciting yeah, meet me and robin
1: Hanson were like counting on the last day like on all
0: the events we we're like because we we, we, were, we were done
1: and um we were just counting and we we're like okay if we score this many points here we we win it and then we we're like oh it was like two points too short you know and it was like oh and then asu like gets someone you know leon wins the two breast and and you know so it was like really like pretty nerve-wracking uh until the end until until we clinched it and then it was like obviously like like great but uh, i mean we when we knew we clinched it like the coaches didn't want us to like go into celebration and stuff because we still had that last relay they still wanted to break that record win that relay and like finish it in style so we were like staying really calm like getting behind these those four guys that were on the relay like trying to give them all our energy so that they could like go out there and like kill it which they did but up being my first in one 100.
0: oh yeah <laughs> one 100 that yeah i mean what a finale so so that was ncaa's i mean you, you have this you know whirlwind college or u.s college experience uh so so now what you know what's what's next for you
1: yeah now i'm kind of in a in a tricky spot because obviously i i loved cal and like if i I, i'd I'd like to i'd probably like to stay there and train there um if that that was possible because it was like incredible the training group is like amazing so um i just i just love that place and like I, i don't really think there's like a lot like a better training group in the world you know like every single event backstroke fly freestyle i am um, doesn't matter breaststroke you know we're like so good on every single event every that, that it's like really inspiring you know you like look over to your left and you see like someone going fast on a backstroke set and you look over to your right and you see like i don't know gabe jet like going really fast on some freestyle stuff or some fly stuff and then i'm doing like a distance set and then you see the sprinters you know jack and bjorn just like killing it on their sprint sets, and it's like really really inspiring like um it, it really gets the best out of you but then also Belgium's like now trying to rebuild their whole program. You know, they bring in Fred Renu um, as the new national head coach. Um, they have a lot of new policies and stuff. They're trying to build like a whole new team. So I'm kind of, I'm still unsure about what I'm doing next year. Um, I'm like now trying to focus on my trials, trying to get to Worlds um, mm-hmm. and might like perform well at Worlds if I'm if I if I'm able to qualify. Um and yeah, but it's kind of, uh, and, and, of, and also like going into the Olympic year, like as my dad, as my coach should be obviously like amazing to like train with my dad as my coach into the, the Olympics. So it's, uh, kind of have a lot of options and I, I need to make a decision and I'm not really sure yet what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. Which is totally understandable. I mean, that's all three of those sound like really great options, right? And I guess that's a good problem to have. Uh, but like you said, there's no real rush there. And right now you're focused on the task at hand. I, uh, I did get a couple questions from Instagram that I want to ask you because there were some good ones, uh, suggestions from the crowd that we got (laughs) from this morning. First of which was from a former Cal bear, uh, kyle melis what's harder making a 30-foot putt for the win or swimming the mile at ncaas
1: i mean swimming the mile you don't it's uh you just have to i don't know like making a 30-foot putt is really hard like swimming the mile is fine to be honest but like making a 30-foot putt for the win is like that's i don't know that's like maybe uh it's like a three percent make rate, and if you if you, yeah. I would say making a thirty foot putt is harder.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, the the weirdest class you took at Cal. What was your your class schedule like at Cal? Um.
1: Uh, so I had I was taking four classes. I had business negotiating, um, design thinking, and uh, wait, design thinking. Then I had market research and um, uh, finance for entrepreneurs. The weirdest one was definitely design. Th- I mean, still is because I'm still taking it now. Um, mm-hmm. Is definitely design thinking. Um, it's not something like I, I've, I did my undergrad in finance. And so I'm like a finance and numbers guy. Um, so like design thinking was like a very creative process and like kind of uh, outside of what I usually do. So that was like probably the weirdest one.
0: What does design thinking even mean? I don't. I don't um, know. I don't know. We're, that. we're
1: like uh, we're it's like prototyping and stuff, and um, like uh, yeah. So it's like a lot of group pro- uh, projects where you're like um, um, working on some prototypes. Uh, for example, we are like like prototyping for an app uh, right now with my group. So for an app uh, to like for athletes to be able to like get feedback on video and stuff.
0: Okay. Nice. Is have you enjoyed the Bay Area outside of uh, outside of Calman swimming? Because you know you're working on an app. You know you're in Silicon Valley. You're right next to San Francisco. You know it's 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 a cool area where you get a lot of exposure to a lot of tech, among other things that you don't really get anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I haven't really traveled that much around, um, but. I mean what i was really uh, impressed by at cal was like the how multi multicultural it is like everyone like people from around the world like coming there to study and like really a bunch of really smart people um just like i mean the computer science department is just like insane like we have some some of the guys on the team that are doing computer science and some of the stuff they're doing is like uncomprehensible like it's really 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 hard and um yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed being in like an environment with like a lot of intelligent people, a lot of people from around the world. Uh, so yeah, I've really enjoyed that.
0: I lived in Berkeley for a little bit and that was my, that was definitely my favorite part of it was just the, the, the school as well as the town. You can see how, how multicultural it is and how diverse it, it the school is and how that spreads out into the rest of the city and the area. Um, we had another one. Is Gabe Jett good at Mario Kart?
1: Um, I don't really know, but I, I don't think he'd be that good. <laughs> I don't think he'd be that good? No. I mean, he's like uh, he's really good at swimming, and then he thinks he's really good at DJing. Like, I uh, I mean, he DJ's the whole I mean, all, in in the house the whole time, you know. But like, um, no, he's not that good at Mario Kart. He's a uh, he he put all this talent into swimming.
0: Nice. i'm just i'm
1: just messing with you he's a really good friend of mine and it's kind of funny because um we're like some people say he's a little bit cocky and some people say um that um like he's very very confident and stuff but i really like that about him and uh so I, I, and, we, and we we were having like some um like bets on who would win like the five free prelim prelims and stuff
0: and we were like trash talking the whole time so it's pretty funny
1: nice yeah, great
0: that's it's always good to have a little bit of cockiness i feel like because that just makes the competition more fun you know it makes it that much better who's who is your this is a question for me i'm just curious who's your best roommate you have eight roommates in the sophomore class at cal who's who's the best one
1: so i live on the bottom floor with gabe so it's (laughs) probably i I spend most i mean probably gabe yeah probably game chat and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really close to uh, like uh, all the guys that, li- that live there, obviously. And um, we have, we have a great time, but um,
0: uh, I would say I'm, I'm closest to getting. That's great. Nice. Um, so Lucas, you're, you're focusing on two free for free. <clears throat> you're trying to make world champs at your trials meet in just a couple weeks. What do you feel like you're going to take from this uh, NCAA season with you into this long course season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think um, the, like one thing I learned at Cal that really, that kind of helped me at both packs and, and, um, and NCs was preparation. So like, I used, I used to, I don't, I don't know why I used to do this, but like, I used to, Go to the pool kind of like i'd wake up at the hotel you know go to the pool kind of whenever like kind of look at the clog do whatever warm-up i wanted to do and then just like hop in the water you know it was kind of wasn't really structured and i wasn't like probably wasn't preparing well enough to like get everything out of it and here you know like the coaches were like big on like having trying to have a routine and like follow that routine and you know so I would like wake up three hours before my race and then, you know, have the same thing for breakfast, do the same dynamic warm up, you know, um, do the same warmup in the water, put my suit on at the same time and stuff. And all that preparation stuff, I think is going to really help me in like the higher pressure meets, you know, because you have your routine, you know what you have to do. You, you're like, just following, you know, you're just following steps. And um, I think that that's going to help me a lot, especially if, uh, if it gets like pretty nerve wracking at my, uh, at my
0: trials meet. Yeah. What's when you're swimming a two free or a four free, what's your race strategy like uh, being a distance guy and and putting in the yardage that you do? Are you someone who's, who's trying to go out fast and make a statement? Are you someone who's much more of a back half swimmer? I'm usually
1: like, I feel like if you're a distance swimmer, you have to like go out like much closer to like your top speed because i i, I don't know like you you're, you'll, you'll be out of the race if you like take it out slow and uh that's not really something i i, I wanna i, I want to be like i kind of like swimming you know in like wh- white water like at the front and um like not really so i, I usually take it out pretty fast like I, I would take it out like uh close to two seconds from my 100 pb and to the feet in 200 so um yeah i'm just uh i'm i'm it hurts a lot more usually on the last like 35 or whatever but i feel like taking it out um usually gives me the best chance to like swim my best
0: have you ever puked after a race
1: yeah i i actually like puke a lot yeah it's like uh i don't know i probably don't digest very well i actually puked after uh the um, the mile at uh at pack 12s it was uh it wasn't great
0: i feel like there are some people like i if i'm puking it means like i'm deathly ill like i almost never throw up i never when, when i was a swimmer i was not a very good swimmer but like i never puked after anything but i feel like there's some swimmers who like they, that's that's like a, a routine for them right yeah, you I know like it happens often
1: when the, when the lactate levels get so high and you're like you know um you barely you barely can get out of the, out of the out of the water you know Uh, after your race and stuff and then yeah it just comes out (laughs) do
0: do you have a favorite event in long course the two or the four
1: um i mean i i don't have a favorite event but i have an event where where i have more focus which is a four free i'm like probably more focused on the four free and i think that like long term that's going to be my best event i think um and yeah i'm i'm I really like the four free because it's kind of um you can swim it so many di- you can swim it so many different ways, and you get have like people like go like up from the hundred all the way to the four hundred. Like, I mean, Popovich is like forty six a world record holder in the hundred, right? But like he can swim a really good four hundred, and you have people like in the past that have been able to do that, like Peter Van Den Hugenman used to like swim a really fast four hundred, you know. And then you have people that come all the way down from like the fifteen hundred. And also go like 344, you know. It's like kind of when, when you see these guys that go like uh like these milers, like Well Brock and um and even romantic and you see like they, they go like 344 or 343, it's like ridiculously fast. And um I think yeah, I think that's my favorite event because there's I feel like there's more of um like the the range from where people come from is wider. So like you know, in the two free, well you have people that come from the hundred and people from the 400. So it's like a smaller range, but there you have people that come from the hundred and people that come from the mile. And even some do like open water and still swim a really fast 400. So that's what I think is like really nice with the four. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to like putting a little more training, like 400 freestyle training over the summer, like long course stuff. Um, Cause I think that's going to be my best event. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on summer Macintosh? what she's done this week
1: so i'm like a swim nerd right so i like i watch everything i watch every single race i do like race analysis and stuff i'm like watching this girl like go the four free and i'm like so she's not that tall she's not that strong her stroke is like very good but it's not like it's not like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and she's going like 356 oh it's like it's insane. It's like not that much slower than me, you know. I'm like, wow. <laughs> she'd be like, right, like right behind the 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 flags, you know, when I touch or something, and um, she, yeah, she would hang for a pretty long time, and um, and just going doing that in the four free, doing that like, in two I am, four I am, and the way like it's, the way you know she, it, it kind of reminds me of like Leon, how like they take out their races.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're like, she's going out like twenty six eight on on fly AM, and and i mean and like 58.5 to the to the or something like that to the to the 100 it's like ridiculous and and she just holds on and she just like uh, it's 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 very very um very impressive and i have a little sister that's uh actually pretty much exactly the same age as summer and she's like uh, very inspired by her and um um i think I think the way the sport is going is really, really great at the moment. You know, we got like a lot, a lot of young people that are going like really, really fast. Um, just like pushing boundaries and the depth in all the events is great. You know, we have like all the continents are swimming well, you know, America swimming well, Europe is swimming well, Australia has a great contingent, you know, Asia is really fast in, 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 in a lot of events. So it's like, I think swimming is in is in a really really cool spot at the moment.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's <laughs> judging from NCAA's, I think it's the fastest it's ever been. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think we'll see that play out on the world stage and long course as well. I did did. I'm curious if you talked to Shabon because in the 200 free, Summer is 200. now ahead of her by one one hundredth.
1: I know. So we're we're talking with. Um... So we're talking with Siobhan and she was like, oh, well, it's OK. I can go faster now. So it's fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, go, I'll go faster than that. But um, I mean, I feel like uh, it's it's only like good, good motivation. You know, it's like she's she's training right now and she's training hard and she sees that. And just like I feel like, you know, if I see I, I just saw, you know, Lucas Martins goes like 343 and like this random meet in Magdeburg. You know, it's like this is. I mean, it's really like a goal. to like, try to, try to get, get to, you know, like being able to like continually during the whole year, you know, like swim so fast is very, it, it, it's great. And um, I think that's a great, great position for swimming.
0: Absolutely. I mean, summer's obviously just an anomaly right now, but I mean, Siobhan is like one of the best at yeah, swimming I mean, fast all year round.
1: Okay. okay a year, yeah. First of all, she's like so fast in season all the time. And I mean, it wasn't, it was like a year and a half ago when she like literally won two silver medal at the Olympic games, you know, and we're a year and a half out and I'm sure she's eyeing, she's, uh she's eyeing to repeat that or maybe even st- uh, step up from Tokyo. And um I mean, having, you know, the four free is going to be, in, I mean, incredible with Titmus Ledecky and, um and McIntosh to two free, you know, Shavon's going to be, that is going to be up there. Some of, some of the Australian girls are going to be up there. Um. Uh, yeah, summer's going to be up there. And I mean, the same with the guys, you know, like, uh, I think uh, Popovich going so fast this summer kind of like reset the bar for everyone. You know, like Tom Dean won in four two right? And like now, well, at, at the Olympics and it's 142.9 now. Well, they're probably like, you know, Tom, Tom Dean, Duncan, Scott, they're probably thinking like, probably need to go 142 if I want to win this. So... I think having these individuals put uh, put these, um, I mean, kind of break these boundaries and put the um, bar so high, it kind of brings the whole sport up. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. All right. I've kept you for a long time. Last question What do you think it takes for the foreigner freestyle world record to get broken on the men's side? Paul Biederman's 340.0. How yeah. do you think someone has to swim that? To break to break that world record,
1: so he broke it. So he went three forty point oh seven, going one fifty point five, I think one fifty, maybe even one fifty, 150, maybe one one fifty one, and came back in like a twenty five. And I don't think we're gonna see that anymore. From I mean, just from you, you. I mean, they with with I think the suits like kind of helped it a little bit, and you know, like they were swimming like fifty sixes in the middle. They're 56 six fives like, pretty easily, and, like, he could sprint that last that last 50. Um, I feel like if we want to go 339, like, the way everyone's splitting to go 341 now is, like, they're going, like, 149 or 150 point low, and they're going 341. So I feel like you have to be out, like, 148 high, 149 low, and then, so probably, like, a 53, 53 mid, 56.0, you know, 56 55 high maybe and then and a 55 low and then come back into 53 and that's a that's a 339 and um I, I actually see like some people being able to do that and like that's that's one of my goals is like to try to get to to compete with these people
0: i love it i well i'm rooting for you because i wanted to see that record go get broken for 14 years yeah. uh i remember watching it on tv the day it did and it was it was wild uh Rowdy
1: was, uh, was saying oh, i don't i really don't see this record being broken like uh, i don't <laughs> think i don't think this is doable and you kind of see beaterman like creep up on that line and he's right on the record the world record line and he breaks it by one 100th one one, one one um but yeah it was it was a great race and uh but there's there's so much history too with that with the four free you know dating back to I mean it's probably one of I feel like back back in the day it was probably one of the like most blue ribbon events you know uh, and having Kieran Perkins go 343 and like a speedo and like in 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 1994 in Rome and then like Thorpe taking that to like whole new levels. And now hasn't been broken in 14 years. Are we going to see like a big, a big jump again? That'd be very, very cool to see.
0: I agree. I feel like that, you know, the, the, the 200, 400 freestyle on the men's side, uh, just internationally has, has lagged since the, those 2009 records got broken since Paul just (laughs) raised the bar impossibly high. (laughs) Like, you know, we've only now seen you know, people creeping back down to the low 340s and Popovich getting into the 142, you know, even even 144 lows at the Olympics, we were like, oh, <laughs> you know, we're seeing some life.
1: It's actually interesting because like, you know, 2009, Biederman goes 142 in like a full suit, right? And then 2012, Yannick Aniel goes 143-1 in like a uh, little speedo valor you know like uh just <laughs> a little small suit and, yeah uh, and i think a lot of people thought okay well this record like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be fine and then it takes like a whole 10 years for anyone to go faster than what aniel did you know and mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of zigzagging a bit but i think now we're like getting close to it and it'd be really cool to see to see these two records like going down because uh, i mean I think, I think there's, I mean, records are meant to be broken. And I mean, 14 years, I feel like is uh is long enough. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be cool to see it maybe, maybe this year at worlds or, or next year at the Olympics, if, if one of the two can go down.
0: Agreed. Yeah. So I've got my fingers crossed for those Lucas. It's been awesome talking to you, hearing about your swim journey, and just nerding out about swim stuff with you. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you
1: for having me. Thank you for having me. It was a really cool talk. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, yeah, I I just hope swim stuff continues to like put out some good content because as a swim nerd, I get myself, uh, I I mean, I catch myself watching that maybe too often sometimes. And and yeah, it's it's great. So I love what you guys do. So thank you for having me.